Hello, and welcome to Manifestor Academy for Entrepreneurs with Michelle Anderson. If you are curious about how to manifest the life and business of your dreams, you're in the right spot. I will be sharing interviews, tips, tricks, stories, and anything I can think of by lifting up the hood on my own experience and my own businesses, including my coaching practice, about how you can manifest your dream life and business I hope you enjoy it. If you want to learn more, you can always go to michelleanderson.com. That's Michelle with two L's and Anderson with an S-E-N at the end. you guys. I have a really fun guest today, Sarah Sai, and she is a master of a lot of really cool, fun things. And I will let her talk about what she's into because one of the reasons why I wanted to have her as a guest is because she's an example of someone who had a job and then decided that she wanted to start her own thing. And today, Sarah is going to talk about the transformation from from starting from this place and the decision to do this. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Michelle. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Um, I've been an avid listener of your advice for entrepreneurs, and I really love all your content. So it's great to be here. Um, Thank you so much. Yes. Um, So my story, um, really, I'm originally from Taiwan. And being an Asian female, I'm petite by female, I'm actually pretty um, timid by nature and I am very risk adverse. So when I started off on this journey, if you were to tell me that I would be managing my own business, strategizing, liaising, I would say that you're crazy. Um, but um, so my story is that I moved to Cincinnati in 2001. So in the last, um, for the first 17 years, I worked at three different companies. So I'm definitely not like a millennial job hopper. Um, The first company I worked for five years, I worked for an entrepreneur locally that had, you know, products business, managed real estate. He also had a branding agency. So learned a lot from that experience in terms of what an entrepreneur lifestyle looked like, but I was always on payroll. So didn't feel like very risky, but it did definitely did feel like, well, if I were to go back to corporations and get a job, what would I put on my resume and what truly transfers? Um, And so I hopped from one entrepreneurial environment to another, which is a former vice president of R&D from Procter & Gamble left P&G to start his own consulting firm. So in working with him, I was able to work with PepsiCo, Nestle Purina, GlaxoSmithKline, Pfizer. And in those five years, again, I was there about probably a a bit longer, maybe six or seven years, actually, um, really worked with big companies to see the limitations of their internal structure to facilitate innovation. Um, And that's when I realized working at a big company or working at a small company, you really want to 
think outside the box regardless of what environment you're in because big companies even though they have structure they're also hungry for innovation um and when i turned 36 i'm gonna give away my age now i had you know as a woman i met a fork in the road where i had to decide whether i'm gonna have kids or not thereof you know so um, I ended up having two children back to back. My oldest one is now turning six and my younger boy is four years old. And that provided challenge um, for me in terms of working in a consulting arena where you're on the road and you work long hours and the sales cycle is long. Um, so I ended up going to a digital marketing agency um, in 2015 when my daughter was born. And um, it provided a lot of flexibility. I was able to work from home um, if I needed to, but also, you know, be on the beck and call of clients um, while I'm on a play date. So um, juggling that and a very unexpected thing happened. Um, when I started at the advertising agency, I had no idea what the agency life quote unquote meant. Um, it meant a lot of churn from a staff standpoint, from a client standpoint, the environment wasn't entirely stable. And as a result, the owner of the company and one of the other leader of the company split up and they kind of tore the company in half. Um, and I was kind of in a position you know, with young children trying to pick and choose, you know, which team I would play on or go with. And in the end, I picked one and I built the company back up. I hired an executive to come support the operations um, and, you know, wrote her job description. I really helped get her on board. And she laid me off six weeks later saying that my position was eliminated. And it was a complete shocker at the time, um, but turned out to be one of the best things for me because I, you know, am loyal to a fault. I never really wanted to start my own business, but in July of um, 2017, I officially hung up my shingles and started running my own business. Um, I think partially because I felt a little wounded from the experience that I just couldn't bring myself to, to apply for another job. But also, um, if there were ever a time to try my hand, this was it. Like, um, you know, I had a spouse that has a fairly stable job. I have two kids that really, I didn't want to miss out on any of the milestones and uh, muffins with mom <laughs> for their elementary school. Um, so I felt like it was kind of now or never um, in 2017 to, to kind of do this. Wow. So uh, did you have any idea that if you had an opportunity to start your own company that you would? Like before no. you got laid off? <laughs> no, not at all. Like I'm the kind of person that's like, okay, well, I always operate it within the confines of the company. Like, I'm a good communicator. I knew how to manage a team. I knew how to communicate uh, and reverse manage my managers. Um, I was told when I was in a consulting firm that 
I need to brush up on my client interfacing skills, which, which I did. You know, I took all of the feedback very um, seriously and intentionally and tra- really tried to hone myself as a team player. So, no, I never thought I would be in a position where I would say, okay, I'm Sarah Tai. I own a consulting firm. This is what I do. In fact, you know, I've done branding and marketing for so many companies, but when it comes to my own, you know, it still feels very odd to call myself owner, operator. Um, you know, when people are like, hey, you're a business owner, I kind of look around and I'm like, wait, me? <laughs> um, so no, I, I didn't. I, I kind of followed a very traditional path of getting a higher ed degree, getting a postgraduate degree, trying to go into either a public sector or a business to play my part in the, in the contributing to the world. Um, so I never thought I would venture into entrepreneurship and actually now have embraced and, and come to love it. So tell me about like the first 30 days when you were like, okay, I have a business. Like what was that like for you when you had made the decision and you were really starting out? So I don't know what starting out meant. Um, as I described, I was pushed out of an airplane, just kind of like, oh my gosh, got to pull the ripcord, right? Within the first 30 seconds or else you're going to die. Um, so I called five or 10 companies that I knew of that knew, A, knew my work, and B, that I was already in conversations with, whether it was to try to pitch them to become a client at my former company or um, alliances that we were trying to make because I worked for an inbound marketing agency that um, was, you know, a HubSpot partner. So I reached out to my HubSpot contact and said, you know, I have just been laid off. What, what, what companies do you know? I, I didn't want a job, but I definitely was open to freelancing. Um, I called HubSpot partners in other cities that had clients that I felt like I was very ready to plug into. And then believe it or not, my yoga teacher actually connected me with a a gig opportunity. Um, There was a platform called 10X that was looking for a marketing manager. Um, So I very quickly picked up my first gig um, and just, kind of the the first 30 days was crazy because I, you know, reached out to either a other HubSpot agencies and I I made it clear I definitely didn't want a job, but I needed work. Like there was a difference. Like I didn't want to be your employee, but here's what I bring to the table. I could do business development. I could do content. Um, Is there a part where I can plug and play? Because when I was at an agency, I knew we hired freelancers. and then also trying to look out for outside of digital marketing, what other opportunities um, I, I had to play in. But I would say the first 30 days was really weird. I mean, I kind of wanted to go to work and there was no office. <laughs> um, I kind of kept leaving the house at 9 a.m., or 8 a.m. rather, um, so that when my nanny got there, that she didn't think it was weird that I'm there and she's there and that she might risk losing her job. Um, so I think the the impact of the emotional trauma and the 
sort of trying to pick myself up. I was a hundred percent in survival mode and trying just to figure out, okay, what is my next right step? If I didn't want a full-time job, what would, you know, working gig, taking on clients look like independently? So you hopped right away, basically into sales and you picked up the phone. (laughs) Yes. And I I branded myself on LinkedIn as a business development expert. Um, I took a class at the business career. Uh, Coincidentally, you know, that week there was a branding session um, and I took all the notes and I rewrote my LinkedIn profile and I was a business development manager for any company that will hire me. Amazing. Not for jobs, but part-time, yeah. So as that went on, uh, tell us about, you know, how that developed and what you did next after you got your first gig. Um, did you expand upon what you first started or how, how did you get through the next few months? So my whole point in terms of bringing someone to the agency who subsequently laid me off was that she was going to stabilize operations. And I felt like I had a knack to communicate the value of digital marketing and, um, it. But I, I knew enough of what it takes to execute it, but I felt like because I'm a very people-oriented person, I would be more suited for business development. But I also realized that, you know, when I market myself as a business development person, that I might not get my first deal by three months, six months. And in the meantime, I still need to sustain my, you know, livelihood. So I ended up actually taking on projects and executing them. And then three months into it, you know, the question was, well, maybe I should just set up my own agency. Maybe I should just have my own team to service and run instead of just pitching myself to other agencies as this sort of business development lead. And I also found that when you sell yourself as a business development person, Most of the time, you're not going to be met with a lot of resistance. Um, I know that Nate Riggs from NR Media Group, and they're a great hotspot agency in Columbus, came down and met me um, and took me to an event and said, you know, if you're going to represent my brand, I want to know that you can do this work. Um, And uh, so he saw me at an event and said, okay, you have my stamp of approval. And, And that was all it took. It wasn't a traditional, you know, sit down, interview, um, and I, the work that I had with um, 10X really did help, um, not only, it, it was really fulfilling from a standpoint that I got to know this company that was very innovative, um, they're a gig platform where a lot of retired or incumbent global experts go and give their opinion, and they just kind of use a traditional consulting um, practices, but non-traditional approach. Like I really enjoyed marketing them and working with these experts, you know, from Australia to China to um, Europe, like being able to hop on a call and still feel like I'm really plugged into 
innovation, um, but also being able to play a very small part in their marketing and knowing that it was kind of, the layoff was horrible, but to get this particular gig was such a blessing because it kind of validated a lot of the skills that I had. It allowed me to see a world outside of Cincinnati and outside of this trauma that I experienced. Um, and gradually, I would say the first three months, the most important thing for me personally was to have a schedule, to have a routine, um, because nobody's there to hold you accountable anymore. I mean, as an entrepreneur, you, um, you know, build out a whole new philosophy around life um, versus when you're collecting a paycheck every two weeks, you kind of knew your marching orders, you knew what would get you fired, and you walk between those lines, and that was a very clear sandbox that I had, um, but in the first three months of entrepreneurship, I didn't have that anymore, so Dude, if I wanted to sleep in all day, I could. Um, if I wanted to goof off and go, you know, grocery shopping or go visit my kids at their school, I could. But you have to develop self-discipline and, and the rules around that um, was totally different than working for somebody else. Was it hard for you to jump into that discipline. I, I like how you explained how, you know, your nanny came and then you went somewhere. <laughs> so tell me about how you handled like making sure you were disciplined. So um, I went to coffee shops initially um, and I ran into some really cool friends, um, yourself included at Awakenings. I don't know if you remember when you and I sort of reconnected um, November, uh, because my layoff was in July, um, I very clearly kind of looked at you like a unicorn. And I'm like, so oh, you run your own business, tell me more. <laughs> you know, because I was only five months into it at the time. Um, but I went to a coffee shop and met some really nice people. And one of them actually had an office space for me, like said, hey, you know, I am sharing office with another mom, but she moved on. She has another business now. And would you like to work at this space? So um, I think having a designated workspace is very important. Um, you know, I'm in the digital world where I need double monitors. I can't function with just a laptop. Um, and, um, you know, having my printer, my reference resources set up that like really helped anchor me just from a space standpoint. And then also start to network with other individuals that are running their own business and are doing it well and seeing what that is like. And then thirdly, I think the most important advice I, I called, um, one of my very dear friends, uh, former mayor, Mark Mallory, and I said, I feel a little crazy and you're retired. Like, how do you structure your time so you can be productive, um, but still, you know, take advantage of the newfound freedom that you have, um, but not overwhelm yourself. I, I feel like at the time I oscillated between wanting to do everything and feeling overwhelmed and wanting to do nothing because I can. Um, and his advice was, you need to create a schedule and you need to have a routine. So I sat down and I carved out my time. Okay, 
how much percentage was client servicing? And I would say that would be like 50% servicing clients, billable hours, 20% looking for new business and working on new business opportunities and collaborating with other agencies, you know, 10% on interacting with social media and actually doing your own marketing and PR. And another 20%, which is what I really didn't anticipate that like was since I'm working for myself, that kind of opened up the opportunity was either networking and learning from other people or learning literally in a course. Like I, um, you know, took a couple more HubSpot certifications. I connected with Blitz Metrics um, and learned what they do on the Facebook ad side. Um, and it was every week I had a schedule for myself. So, you know, if it's Tuesday afternoon, I need to do this lesson or Wednesday morning, I'm meeting with this friend. Like eventually when you have that Monday through Friday schedule, um, you'll feel much better because you don't want to create that schedule when you wake up but you want to look at your week or your month or every two weeks to just kind of plan out and plot out your days. Um, so having a physical office, having some peer support, plotting out your days, I think those were the things that um, I felt like really like helped me. And I wish people, not just entrepreneurs, but anybody who's in transition, um, will probably benefit from that structure because when you don't have a job job that offers you nine to five and you have to show up somewhere, or you have concrete deliverables or other people around you to hold you accountable, you have to give that to yourself. I love that you outlined that so clearly and shared what you were doing inside of your calendar because um, I really relate to that when I started my business. I really didn't know what I was doing, but I made sure that from nine to five, I was doing something. Um, and <laughs> right. you, went, you went on to break it down, and I, it sounds like this is really smart as to what you were doing, like percentage-wise during those times, including marketing, including sales, and how you were working on your business. And I love that you kind of gave those percentages because – I see so many entrepreneurs who maybe got a lot of activity when the market was good in their industry, surviving on doing a lot of their business, like whether it be photography or graphic design or, you know, um, whatever it may be and not setting aside time for sales and marketing. Right. You have to definitely be fishing while you're cooking the fish and eating it too. <laughs> like it, it's hard because it's all you and it, it feels like an illusion when you're, you've got a full depth of clients and, you know, business is going great, but you know, when it's winter time or when some clients fall off and then you have to go back out there and spin up the cycle again it's good to have like that consistency and also nobody really likes being sold to, right? So um, to have relationships built um, and to plant the seed is really important to have that consistency and having, you know, if you own your own business to kind of have the discipline to carve out a portion of your time to nurture relationships, build rapport so that when it does 
come a time when you do need help or you're trying to rein some of the projects in that you can. Absolutely. Um, thanks for that. Yeah, just um, you seem to have kind of been, you dove into some of the most important things that I think it takes for a small business to survive. And did you just being in with startups and consultants have the instinct to do that? Or how did you decide what to focus on and, and choose what to pick early on in, in building your schedule in your business? That's exactly right. Like I, you know, I'm two years into it now. And in looking back, I tell people like that was my ripcord, like everything I described just now in this podcast is that ripcord I pulled. And the reason why I know where the ripcord is and what I need to pull is from, you know, I worked with three entrepreneurs who every day looked at their P&L and, you know, every other day made sure that enough money was coming in as much as it was going out. And so my instinct was, where is my next paycheck or where is the resource coming from? Whereas I see a lot of entrepreneurs, the first thing they do is blow $5,000 on a logo and a website. <laughs> so um, without doing proper market vetting, without really building up their internal processes or really identifying, you know, does what I have to offer have a market and is it scalable? I mean, it's great that you think you have something that people want, but it's always much safer to test it and try it in a low budget setting before you really validated that the market um, is ready for your product or that people buy and shop in a way that you intend to sell. So I, I give this example of, you know, there's a bath bomb store on Hyde Park Square that just opened. And I'm always walk by, by that place, beautiful decor. I get it, 100% organic bath bombs. And some of them have CBD oil in it, really cool. But I always wonder, like, do you have an online strategy? Wouldn't it be better to have built up a following before you opened up a physical store? So from like a business strategy standpoint, I always look at, well, what is my quickest way to do proof of concept? What's my quickest way to build an MVP? And then from there, have your mindful of a business, a project. Um, so that is very key. I, I, you know, every entrepreneur start, starts out thinking, well, how am I going to make it? What does it take to succeed? And I would say the first step really is to get a couple of clients, validate that what you have to offer is indeed what they want. Um, and that's how you get started. That's amazing that you just kind of painted that out because I think that's so helpful for people to kind of have a picture in their mind about, okay, how do I really begin? And what do I do with these new clients? And I think one of the great things about you is that you kind of came into doing your own thing with a lot of marketing knowledge. And I could tell that when we met that, that that was a strength for you. So you kind of applied that and hit the ground running. Um, for any of the audience members who maybe don't know a lot about marketing, you mentioned something that it was really late in the game that I realized was really important, which is testing. <laughs> and um, 
tell me, is there anything that like you want to make sure the audience knows about marketing if they're starting out and maybe their skill is somewhere else, not related that they need in that arena that, that would be really helpful for them to, to hone what they're really doing? Yes. So the fourth piece of marketing traditionally was product place, price, um, and people, right? Like you try to reach out to a, a demographic that would potentially use your services or use your products. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs like have great ideas, um, but they don't quite know who's going to receive them, how it's received to, so to carve out a more complete marketing message, um, I think that marketing is important, but also so is product development, um, which is kind of a buzzword in the industry right now, which is what, what does your product do? Who does it serve? And what is the monetary or value exchange? And you need to lock that down for your business um, before you even start thinking about, well, I'm going to spend money on a logo or a branding or X, Y, and Z, right? So the proof of concept phase for a product or service really is just to say, this is who I'm going after. Will they do what I ask them to do? Meaning I have a $3 bath bomb. Actually, they would probably pay 10. Why is that? Well, it needs to be A, B, and C. Okay, do I need to improve my product to meet that demand? Or do I vice versa, I have a bath on that $3, but hey, they can get it at Costco for 50 cents. Um, then do I need to adjust my placement strategy or how I'm selling? Should I be selling to retailers instead or lower my pricing so that I can sell more in volume, but less in cost? So there's a lot of agility um, and curiosity that needs to be built into validating whether you have product to market fit. And that is beyond marketing itself. Although the discipline of marketing definitely gives me a, a heightened awareness of, is this product going to be accepted in the market? And if it is, how do we talk about it and amplify the message? But taking a step back of, okay, I have a product or I have a service. How do I validate that people actually need this or how big is the market to be able to scale and actually make a business out of it? I'm so glad you described that because um, I think sometimes people are so inside their offer or their product that it's really precious to them or they're scared about how to even put it out there. Right, right. And it's, there are lots of Facebook book groups. Like I belong to like boss moms, um, entrepreneur moms, um, and many groups. Like sometimes it's just to say, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Would, would you be interested? Or I met with a really interesting entrepreneur recently that had a long history in banking and she came out offering her auditing or CFO accounting services. And she said that she just went to certain networking events where she knew that her customers or people that she wants to offer her service to would be there. Um, and then just kind of start talking to people about it and get outside of 
um, like Michelle, you described their product or services to to validate their idea and try to prospect and, and get new clients. That's great. Yeah, getting curious and getting out there, which you did a lot of. So a lot, a ton, <laughs> <laughs> too much at times. So I'm like, okay, rein it in. You've got the data you needed. Now it's start. You know, it's time to get to work. Well, tell us what you want to leave the audience with just after your two years and wrapping up kind of a little about your journey. I know you have a lot of depth to share about your own business and business in general, but what do you want the audience to know about taking this big leap and where you are right now? I think faith in yourself and not be afraid to ask for help. You know, none of us are good at everything. We're always, you know, really have a special gift. Um, my daughter is in kindergarten and she just has some of the most amazing, like self-validating tools that I'm like, wait, did I graduate kindergarten? I think I did. Why didn't I have these tools? Um, some of them is just to, you know, connect with yourself and really understand what gifts you have to give. Um, some of it is when your bucket is empty to ask people to help fill it. <laughs> she should be like, I need my bucket filled. I'm like, okay, you want a hug? Um, and, uh, you know, vice versa, she'll go fill out other people's bucket. Um, and just go back to a place where you feel really genuine and sincere. Um, where you can live out your truth and your um, magnificence. And I think that that's what this entrepreneurship journey taught me. It's definitely not for everyone. If you like the sandbox, you like structure, you want someone to hold you accountable to a punch clock, definitely, you know, this journey is bumpy and rocky and um, unknown, lots of conquering the unknown and laying out plans. But if you should choose an entrepreneurship journey, a whole world, a whole universe opens up to you of possibilities, chance meets, and, you know, surprises that I just cannot even begin to describe how, how much fun and excitement there is in this, you know, entrepreneur journey. Wow, thank you for leaving us with that beautiful description. Um, if anyone's excited about connecting with you on social media or seeing um, more about what you have to offer, is there a place where they might be able to find more about you? Yeah, so my Instagram handle is your own CEO. My Facebook, you can find me, um, Sarah Tai. I often post about just sort of more personal journey and then my, you can also find me on LinkedIn. Um, I also share, you know, client work that I'm doing, conferences I go to, and um, new and innovation sort of tips um, because the audience on LinkedIn is more professional interacting. Um, but on Facebook, I'll tell you that, you know, I lost my earbuds and how crazy it was to find it. So more personal stuff. So you, you pick your channel, like whichever one suits your fancy. Well, thank you again so much for sharing your journey with a lot of excitement. It was fun to listen to, and I hope the audience likes it too. So it's been great to have you today. Thank you, Michelle. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Thank you so much for joining us on the episode today. I'm so glad you were here to give a listen. If you liked it, this is a new podcast right now, so I would really appreciate it if you would give us a review on whatever platform you're listening on, just to let other people know that this is a place where you can learn how to manifest the life and business of your dreams. Also, if you want to find out more, follow us on Instagram. It's Michelle and Anderson with an S-E-N at the end on Instagram and Michelle Anderson. Dot com is the website.